your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue, blue. This, this is the pod, the pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Can we make it six straight? It is EJ Stewart here with Tommy Beer, back with another episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. And Knicks still in Chicago, playing game two of their two-game set with the Bulls tonight, uh, uh, Friday night uh, at, at the United Center. The Knicks coming off a heroic win in Chicago in this first set. And now we come into the second set, uh, a second game of this set, Tommy, and I'm feeling a little greedy. I, you know, I, we talked last week saying, do you feel good with a split? And I said, yeah, you got to take a split given how Jalen Brunson got hurt. I was at you earlier this week, how Jalen Brunson got hurt, and you don't know if he's going to play. So if you can survive a split, you're fine. But now that the Knicks got a W here, and now you're on a five-game winning streak that could be six, I want to see them get after it tonight and get this W today. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, you're in position. The the Bulls are struggling. I mean, they were, yeah. you know, you, you you know, you talk to any Bulls fan, they are where the Knicks were a couple weeks ago, you know, just trying to figure out what is the direction of this franchise. We got veterans in their prime, near the end of their prime, older guys, you know, we we traded away draft picks for Vucevic. We're five games under 500. You know, I probably the, the best thing for the Bulls to do right now is, is to break it up, try to break up those pieces, um, see if the Lakers will give them the two draft picks, see if another team's interested in Vooch or DeRozan. They got to decide what they're going to do with Zach Levine. We'll talk about that um, a yeah. little bit in a few minutes. Um, but, yeah, long story short, you take advantage of a team that's wobbling and that's unsteady and that's, you know, trending in the wrong direction. You know, come out early, put your foot in their throat, and, um, you know, really let them know that you mean business and, and go for a sweep because, uh, you know, uh, as we talked about on uh, on on Wednesday or Thursday, rather, um, yeah. every game counts. Listen, there's the, the, at the end of the season, the, the, the difference between the sixth seed and the 10th seed or the fifth seed and the 11th seed could be two games, three games, some along those lines. So um, when you have, you have an opportunity to uh, and you're playing a winnable game and right now the bulls uh, a game against the bulls yes it's in chicago yes it's very difficult to beat a team um you know but back-to-back games um but this is a an opportunity uh to get one in the win column so uh yeah i agree with you get greedy and, and see if you can make it happen so we're going to preview this knicks bulls matchup we're also going to talk about a all-star campaign for a new york nick but probably not the new york nick you're thinking about and the unofficial start of the trade season began Thursday, December 15th, with more players becoming eligible to be traded. What does that mean for the Knicks and guys who may be going out? What does that mean for the Knicks and guys who may come be maybe coming in? And an overall look at the league and who are the stars that may be on the block once we get closer to that trade deadline in February. So great episode for you guys today. Let's get it popping. So the Knicks and Bulls are back at it again in Chicago. New York won a thriller in overtime Wednesday, thanks to the heroics of Jalen Brunson. When you look at this matchup, Tommy, now that we've gotten a good taste of what the Bulls are, how they match up with the Knicks, what are some of the key details you're looking at in this matchup um, Friday night? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, let, let's start with Brunson again. Obviously, he was the hero from Wednesday night. 
Um, incredibly, he's not even on the injury report. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously he's going to suit up again, um, which is remarkable considering where he was just, you know, 24 to 48 hours ago as of Monday, Tuesday. Um, certainly looked like there was a uh, a probable, if not, a, uh, you know, if not uh, a very good chance that he was going to miss at least one game. Um, so he'll suit up again Friday night. Um, you know, does he show any signs of, of, of fatigue? Um, you know, again, him, Randall played 46 minutes. Barrett played. Uh, he actually actually only logged thirty four, but um, Brunson yeah, those did fouls, all right, fouls right, on right. Uh, on DeRozan kept him in foul yep. trouble. Still yep. logged thirty four uh, minutes of regulation, but right, right, right. Um, uh, and before yeah, he obviously fouled out. Brunson logged that thirty nine. So um, again, uh, you know the the Bulls same issue. Uh, Levine forty one, Vucevic forty one, um, Pat Williams forty, uh, Rose DeRozan forty. So. Um, can the Knicks, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a battle of of wills. Um, see which see which team shows up fresh, um, and then uh, if there are any coaching adjustments. Tibbs has not been great with the X's and O's. Um, we saw how the offense stagnated in the fourth quarter um, on on Wednesday night. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of run some more sets, maybe get Mitch Rob some lobs at the rim, set Grimes up. That's what I've been asking for is Grimes some more field goal attempts. Um, will IQ play a little, a few more minutes off the bench than he might n- normally? Um, same for McBride. Um, and, uh, you know, even though it's it, Tibbs basically went with a, with an eight-man rotation Wednesday night, um, yeah. it, they hadn't played since Sunday, so it made some sense in some respects. Um, and despite the fact that it went to overtime, the only player, uh, uh, the, the ninth guy in the rotation, Sims, only played eight minutes. McBride played fewer than 14 minutes. So um, I'll be interested to see if he kind of gives the, his starters a little more rest tonight and and runs because uh, they're, they're playing against Sunday. They'll be back in the garden. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Tibbs gives his reserves a little more playing time tonight uh, or Friday. Yeah, I, yeah, I do feel like that is going to be something to watch because when you look at Randall, who has been – Say what you want about him. He's pretty much been an Iron Man for the Knicks since he's got here. I mean, he he plays a lot of minutes. He's relatively healthy. So him logging 46 minutes was huge because he had a really good game outside of the stagnation that happened late in the fourth quarter. And, and, and he kind of wasn't much of a factor in overtime. He's playing great recently. So how they spell him, does Jericho send to get more time will be interesting. I don't expect Tibbs to expand beyond the nine-man rotation at all. But I do think that some of those guys that – or coming off the bench, uh, as you mentioned, uh, McBride and Sims. I think you'll see those guys play a lot more. You can see it, Isaiah Hardenstein maybe log some more minutes as well. That, I think, will be something to look at. I'm also looking at in terms of what the Knicks need to do to secure this sweep. One of the main things will have to be keeping Chicago off the free throw line. And when I say Chicago, I really only mean one man, and that's DeMar DeRozan. That game against uh, the Knicks on Wednesday, he had 17 free throw attempts, 16 made free throws, and him getting be able to being able to get at the line and, and and not you know knock down those free throws, I felt really kept Chicago afloat, especially during times where their offense was struggling. And there were times in that game, I thought, especially in the uh, in the first quarter and the second quarter and that first half, really, that the Knicks really were under. They had the Chicago's offense under control, and DeRozan being able to stay, keep getting to the line, uh, keep attacking. I think it sometimes kind of kept the Knicks kind of. You know, on their toes a little bit, and then it didn't allow RJ to really get into the maybe the rhythm that he wanted, even though he had a really good game. Uh, that's a game that normally RJ plays at that point, playing overtime and playing more minutes without foul trouble. You expect he plays over 40 minutes, he probably has a 30 burger. So that might have been three guys with 30 points in that kind of game. And knowing that 
you're going to be playing a nine-man rotation knowing you guys might be a little tired. You can't afford to get into foul trouble. So uh, DeMar DeRozan and keeping them off the free throw line, I think it's going to be crucial tonight. I'm also very interested to see what Zach Levine is going to do tonight because I thought that he looked like a player who did not have his legs in the first half of that game. It was odd considering how athletic he normally is and the kind of explosive player that he normally is and how he he has killed the Knicks in the past. He just didn't look like that kind of guy for about two and a half quarters. You really saw started to see him pick it up in the second uh, second half, third quarter, definitely in the fourth quarter, where he started to look more like the old Zach Levine. You even heard Breen say, there's that Zach Levine athleticism at one point during one of those drives. So there's that burst. So you start to wonder, does he feel a little more confidence? You know, it's kind of like a hitter who maybe, you know, started, you know, 0 for 4, but in an extra inning game, knocked two hits uh, to kind of end his night at 2 for 6. And now you kind of come into that next game. You say, okay. Feel good. Started seeing some pitches. Zach Levine come in a little more confident in his offensive game as he kind of comes back from his knee injury that he's been dealing with. Those, I think, are going to be two key pieces uh, of this of this matchup. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing. I said the the Knicks uh, are back home Sunday. They're actually in Indiana to finish out this little quick Midwest right. road swing. Um, they play Indiana Sunday night at 5. Um, then they're back home, host the Warriors, who will be without Steph Curry. Um, it should be noted the struggling Warriors, who I think are like two and nine on the road or two and ten, something like that. Um, uh, so, th- uh, but the the Knicks, so the Knicks play Sunday, then a back to back Tuesday, Wednesday, the Warriors and the Raptors. Then they host the Bulls again, uh, this time at the Guard on Friday, and then uh, have the Sixers on on. Um, Christmas Day at noon. So, you know, they got five, you know, basically five games in seven days, one of those type of stretches, um, not more than a day or two off in between. Um, so, it, again, you know, to, you know, will Tibbs rely more on his veterans? One player I would like to see, I, I agree, I don't think he's going to go beyond the nine-man rotation, um, but I think it should be noted that it would be cool to see Derrick Rose get a few minutes um, Friday yeah. night. We don't know how many more times he's going to play in Chicago. Um you know, in his, his storied career, he's a he's a you know just a, a a hero in the windy city. So it would be cool to see him get some flowers, um, even if just for like a six minutes, four minute stretch somewhere in the, in the first half. Um, again, I don't think it'll happen, but this way you you, you give Rose uh, some respect, let him get some some accolades, and also give Brunson a few minutes off. Maybe that's something that Tibbs might think about tonight. Yeah, and I also wonder if this game gets out of hand. I know Tibbs is typically not gone to some of the more veteran guys in those garbage time moments uh cam fournier and rose have not played even when the knicks have had big leads and they've had big leads in a lot of these wins they've blown out a couple of these teams but he's gone to sweet mckay luke and other guys to kind of end those games i wonder in a game like uh, uh friday night if rose uh if the if the knicks get big hopefully um well but unfortunately maybe if they go down big and you're talking about maybe the last five or ten minutes of a game that is out of hand do you see tips say okay let's get Derrick Rose out there let him get his standing ovation play a couple minutes and maybe bring him back out uh I, I would I certainly would love to see that I think if I was Chicago I would like to see them probably have some kind of video package ready too, knowing yeah. the situation there's a chance that he may not get on the court and this could be his last time in Chicago so why not have a package ready to play you know in the first time out in the first quarter or first time out in the second quarter so you know that regardless of what happens on the court, he will certainly get the, the the flowers that he deserves for sure. So definitely something to look at in this game as well. So the Knicks are playing this two-game series. It's kind of a baseball-style deal that the NBA has been doing for the past few years. It's a way they feel like to cut down on travel 
by having a team go on the road and play in the same place twice, especially if it's a place they have to come back to uh, normally during later part of the season. Do you like these baseball style two game series? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I, you know, I think w- once we have a little more feel of it after a couple of years, assuming they, they keep it in place, um, I, I, cause I do like the idea of it, you know, kind of has that play uh, that, that baseball series, but also a playoff series where you play yeah. two games back to back, you know, in, in the same city, um, you kind of get to know the, the, the ins and outs of a team a little bit better. You know, you can prepare for them. You know, t- this is the, you know, the Knicks played Sunday and then they, you know, they, they had a couple days off, played the Bulls Wednesday, we'll play the Bulls against Friday. So basically four days for, for Tibbs and the coaching staff to focus on one opponent. So, um, yeah, it'll kind of be interesting to see how they uh, both, you know, both coaches kind of match X's and O's and Long Island's own Billy Donovan, um, you know, <laughs> was, uh, has been a, a, a quality coach in the league for a while. So um, we'll see who gets the better of that matchup. Yeah, I think that the fact that you have to see coaches coach like it is the playoffs and you have to have – adjustments adjustments from game to game and you start to get a, a real scouting report on how these teams play you and you kind of zero in like one of the things you hear about in terms of an nba schedule is you know one of the major differences in the playoffs is you know you're traveling from city to city uh you're giving out the scouting report but you can't really sit down and, and hone in on a certain player or a certain team the way you normally would and these guys are getting their scouting reports they're reading them but like they're you know they're exhausted they've been traveling all over the country they're not focused and zeroed in the way they normally would be in the playoffs. I think with something like this, while it's not a playoff series, obviously, the only team they have to worry about right now for the last, you know, four days has been the Chicago Bulls. So you would assume that both of these teams are going to be very locked into the scouting report. Now you have a game that you've played to now adjust to. So I, I really like the the, the playoffs, uh, this kind of baseball-style two-game series, NBA playoff-style series that they've been doing. I actually think they should go a step further. I think that the NBA is missing an opportunity to – build these games as rivalry weeks for um, certain markets. So my thing is, how great would it be if you decided we're going to let the Knicks and Nets just go at it for four games in one week? Like the Knicks play the first two at Mad Square Garden on a maybe a Sunday afternoon on ABC and then a Tuesday night. And then the rest of the series, you go Thursday, you go to Barclays, Saturday, you're at Barclays. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? What about – if Staples Center was taken over for a week with the Lakers and Clippers. I think there are so many opportunities where they could have a lot of fun with this. And some of these cities have two teams or some of these uh, longstanding rivalries. Maybe it's a Knicks heat deal where the Knicks and heat are playing for a week. Like there are a lot of opportunities I see here. I- I've loved this change. And I think that they could even go a step further uh, with, with that. What do you think about that idea of creating like a rivalry week with some of these teams? Yeah, I like it. I like the idea. I like of it, you know, generating a little more interest, a little more buzz. I guess the only down potential downside would be uh, if Durant's injured or if one of the stars right. is injured, you know, you, you, you that kind of, you know, you, you're, you're playing a team, um, you know, but that could go both ways. You know, um, it, it doesn't necessarily benefit one team or the other. Um, but, but yeah, I agree. Anything to kind of spice up. I think the regular season becomes a bit monotonous, um, even for diehard fans. So anything to kind of spice it up. Um, it sounds like we'll have a pre a midseason tournament as early as next season. Yes. Um, kind of a soccer style tournament. So I'm interested to see see how that um how, how that kind of plays out. I'm a little bit skeptical, but again, I'm always open to trying um, you know, different things, seeing what works. Uh, you know, to his credit, Adam Silver has been open um to different ideas and, and different schools of thought when it comes to um mitigating travel and back, you know, and increase because the players not playing in back-to-backs definitely has been an issue. Um we saw it last night. 
um, you know, when, 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 you know, when you on, especially in the national television games, if you get a guy, get a good team on the second night of a back-to-back, you can almost tell right away the stars aren't going to play months ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is that the NBA starting the season a couple weeks earlier and stretching it out a couple weeks later or whatever the case might be? Um, some will keep an eye on, but yeah, for that reason, it, it makes sense to kind of keep teams, um, in the same city for a couple nights. So hopefully that'll, you know, be beneficial as well. And one last thing on uh, on this matchup, and we'll talk more about trades in this podcast episode, but we did get a closer look at Zach Levine. And one of the things we didn't mention last week was, you know, the, I wouldn't call it a report, but it was kind of just a, a commentary by Adrian Wojnarowski ESPN during one of the Knicks games. I don't think it was a Knicks game. It might have just been a regular ESPN game. But uh, essentially he talked about, you know, where the Knicks are and where they stand. And he said, the Knicks right now still star hunting. They're looking for who that next star will come available after they uh, fail to acquire Donovan Mitchell. He said one person that they will certainly be keeping their eye on is Zach Levine. And we watched like Zach Levine play against the Knicks just, you know, now, you know, just, you know, on Wednesday night. Do you feel like based on what you've seen from him in his career and kind of how he looks now, is that a guy the Knicks should really be uh, looking to see if he comes available? He just signed a massive extension uh, this past offseason when he was a free agent. I've never been a big Levine fan, um, a little bit too one dimensional. I don't know if he's a fit with Tibbs. Um, you know, obviously it all Tibbs, depends Tibbs, on Tibbs traded. People forget Tibbs traded him. Right. <laughs> traded right. him for Jimmy Butler when he had when he had him. Right, right, right. Butler's obviously more of a, of a Tibbs type guy. Um, yeah, I just, you know, listen, incredibly talented offensive scorer. Um, you know, better shooter than I thought he'd be, you know, early in his career really has developed that, that, that three point shot makes it effortless. Um, Breen talked about on Wednesday night, um, you know, strong wrists. I mean, just, you know, he really can, can, can get shots up. Um, very creative on the offensive end. The thing that worries me about him long-term though, a lot of his, um, offensive production is relying on his athleticism. Um, yeah. if, and when he starts to slow down a little bit, listen, he's still in his twenties. He's not, you know, still in the, the peak of his prime. Um, so if, you know, again, if you give it to me for the right price, I'm willing, but I'm not going to give you a Donovan Mitchell type package for a guy like Levine. Um, and that's probably what the bulls are going to look like, uh, look for, um, if they do decide to break things up, they're going to look for young players, picks, um, you know, combination thereof. And I just don't know if, um, if you're going star hunting and you have, you know, a hundred bucks to spend, if you want to spend 70 of it on Levine or six, you know, whatever you have allocated for that next superstar that becomes available, Levine's not that superstar. Um, so if you can add him as a piece that makes it more likely for you to, or, and more likely for that future superstar, um, wherever he gets dislodged from to, you know, end up in New York. I'm willing to listen to it. Um, I'm certainly willing to see what the, if the bulls want to sell them for, for 60 cents in the dollar, then I'm, uh, right. then, then that's certainly a conversation we can have. Um, but just in, in terms of, how he kind of would fit in this rotation, fit in this lineup. Um, he's not a good fit alongside Randall, um, two, you know, kind of bull dominant players. Randall, Randall has already, uh, you know, given up a bunch of touches with Brunson in the mix. Um, and then you have Grimes, who's, you know, kind of the starting, we talked about him Wednesday, we talked about him the last couple of weeks. He's the, he's the shooting guard of the future for New York. Um, so I'm happy with that Brunson Grimes backcourt. I don't, I don't feel the need to, to make a rush for, for, um, uh, for Levine, especially, and, and obviously RJ Barrett, you could just give him a hundred yeah. million contract extension as well. So um, there's not a ton of minutes to go around on the wing. Um, so Levine is not a guy I'd be uh, overly excited by. 
Yeah, I'm not too excited with him either. I know that even before that Woj report, I saw a lot of people looking at how things were on in Chicago and saying, whoa, maybe Zach Levine will become available. And to me, it's kind of one. he's kind of one of those examples of, you know, shiny object that, you know, is not in your possession and looks shinier, but as you get closer and closer, maybe it doesn't quite look as they appear maybe you know on your tv screen or in the in the in the, in the show window like he, he is a phenomenal athlete when he's healthy but health can be a concern with him he's had major injuries in the past he has not been a number one on a playoff caliber team ever in his career the first time Zach Levine played on a playoff caliber team it was because they brought in DeMar DeRozan DeRozan put on uh, a borderline MVP caliber season and Zach Levine had to take a back seat he had a very strong season last year but it was not as the alpha dog so if he comes to new york you're expecting him to be your number one at least for now so you, you maybe get some other star but knicks have had problem getting or what what, am I, what makes me think they're gonna be able to get two stars so i i don't see that i think that if you go from having an opportunity to trade for donovan mitchell though i would not have made the trade that was offered you go from one trading for donovan mitchell a guy who's taking his team uh you know into the playoffs, he's won playoff series before against other great stars and other great teams. And then you go down to Zach Levine. I'm assuming the price will be not as expensive, but I still think that that's a no for me. No for me. I, I would not uh, go for Zach Levine there. But um, I think it was important to know we'll see Zach Levine in action again as the Knicks take on the uh, Chicago Bulls. So one other thing I did want to mention on the show is – one of the things that I probably care too much about. If you think, if you know anything about EJ and how he thinks about basketball, there are a couple of things he cares too much about. Um, uniforms. I love alternate uniforms. I, I care very much about how teams are updating their uniform models. I can talk for literally hours about my favorite uniforms in the leagues and things like that. It's something that most people probably don't care about. I care a lot about. The other thing I care a lot about are all-star selections and how the all-star games are made. Again, Maybe it's not that big a deal, but I guess that is like if there's any bit of youth that I'm holding on to at this ripe age of 31 is probably that I still care a lot about who makes the all-star team. And there are plenty of reasons why when you look at Jalen Brunson, you say definitely maybe an all-star campaign from what he's put together. But what about Julius Randle? Julius Randle has played some stellar ball as of late. He's averaging 27 points in the month of December. He's averaging nearly 10 rebounds. The Knicks are on a five-game win streak. Um, this is probably the most comfortable he's looked in a Knicks uniform since his most improved award campaign of 2021-2022. So I know that the, the, the conversation has been about Jalen Brunson, but what about Randall? I'm asking you, Tommy Beer, buy or sell Julius Randall is an all-star in this 2022-23 season so far. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with the the sell on that one. I'm not quite convinced that that Randall has earned himself a spot uh, in in the Midwinter Classic quite yet. Um <laughs> I could listen. It's there's an argument to be made, um, and obviously we still have a, a month plus, um, six weeks or so before um, we arrive at the at the um, at the All Star break. So you could you could make there's certainly an argument to be made for him. You mentioned his incredible statistics, um, the counting stats. Um, that being said, for folks 
that watch him night in, night out, um, and, and, and people listening to a New York's Knicks pod um, consider themselves likely in that in that mix. Um, he just, on, on a night in, night out basis, from what he's given the Knicks, they, they, you know, you talk about the shiny object. The counting stats are good, um, and, uh, you know, to his credit, he's been productive. But it's hard to envision the Knicks getting more than one All-Star uh, in the All-Star yeah. game. And I think right now, you know, certainly I would lean towards Brunson. Um, not only because his stats are, 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 are very, very good as well, but also a lot of it has to do is with when you score your points. Um, right. I was looking at the, the Knicks clutch stats um, earlier following the, the Bulls game Wednesday night. Um, and, and again, Brunson was obviously clutch, you know, huge in the clutch in, in the fourth quarter and then into overtime, more importantly. Um, the Knicks have played a total of 58.7 minutes um, of, of clutch minutes. So the way the NBA defines clutch is a game that's within five points either way, either you're trailing or leading by five points or less with five minutes, less than five minutes left in the game, regulation and or overtime. Um, in that, in those, so the Knicks have played 58 such minutes this season. Rand, Brunson has scored 58 points. He's shooting 47.4% from the floor, 43% from downtown, 91% from the free throw line. He has six assists versus just one turnover. Um, the Knicks' other two big guys, um, uh, Julius Randle is seven for 20. He's shooting just 35% in the clutch this season, 23% from downtown. RJ Barrett is three for 16, 19% from, from, uh, from the floor. Hasn't yet to made a, yet to make a three pointer. Um, and has four times as many turnovers as assists. He's four turnovers versus just one assist in the clutch. Um, so again, you know, we've, we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it again. The number of wins the Knicks would have this season, if it weren't for Brunson, um, is not a lot. I don't know what the exact number is. Um, but it, it's not a ton. And I think so. The, yeah. So for that reason, you know, Brunson's kind of established himself as a leader, um, you know, night in, night out consistency, what he brings to the table um, has, has really been valuable to the Knicks. Um, whereas Randall, we know about his struggles in the second half, his struggles in the fourth quarter, getting ejected from the, from the Sacramento game. Right. When you just kind of look at the, the totality of it, the big picture, um, while the numbers are good, um, I think it's hard to make a legitimate case for him. You know, then then we get to the point you're going to knock one of these other forwards out of the All-Star game. Um, listen, if the Knicks continue to play, you know, they're, they're on a five-game winning streak. If they are, you know, six games over 500, seven games over 500 by the time the All-Star break comes around, um, having both Randall and Brunson make it, it would not be crazy. So I guess, you know, I'll hold up judgment until then. Um, but as of right now, if I had to choose one or the other, um, and I think you probably do from a team that's, you know, just a game or two over 500, I'd go with Brunson. So again, I am one of those people who know too much about how all-star selections work and who makes the all-star game. So usually you got three front court players that start, you have two front court players then picked as reserves, and then you have two wild card picks that could be uh any front court or guard player. You have, you know, of course, two guards that start, two guards coming off the bench. So you know he's not getting picked over Giannis, Durant, or Tatum in the front court he's not getting picked over or be in the front and beat in the front court so of the four slots i've selected that are obvious you know kind of slotted as front court players um that's four there and there are five in total so now you're already in a little bit of trouble but the pickings get slim there i mean julius randall according to espn of guys who log powerful minutes is fifth uh in the nba in scoring only behind zion anthony davis kd and and uh Giannis Antetokounmpo 
So the center position, Embiid right now is probably the only true center. Well, I think maybe Bam Adebayo would certainly be a guy who, who would get some consideration as well. The Heat have been struggling, so that's something to note. But Bam Adebayo is a better player than Julius Randle, so I think that he will get some some love there. So right now you're probably in a fight with a guy like Bam Adebayo for that last spot. Um, you know, what happens at small four position? Do they count? I don't think you count Jalen Brown as a small four, though they can do that. It's very flexible with how they fill out their all-star rosters. Um, we didn't, I know that the he who should not be mentioned on this podcast is probably Chris Porzingis, but Porzingis has had a strong season um, for a kind of a floundering Washington team. Does he get love? Does Kyle Kuzma get love? I, I, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to say bye. I, I think when I, I, I piece those guys together, I say, you know, when I look at the front court players and say there's four guys who are locks and it's Yerando versus Bam, even if Bam wins that day, there's still two more wild card spot left that he could eventually slide into. Um, I hope that if it's a situation where it's Brunson or Randall, Brunson should absolutely get that spot. But if it's a situation where Brunson's already in or he's already one of the backup guards and you are kind of trying to fill out the rest of the roster, I think Julius Randle will have an outside shot at this, given the fact that the Knicks are playing at a really high level. His numbers are there. And I, I think it's going to depend on really just how much do you believe in what we've seen in terms of the changes. Um, you know me. I've been saying I would trade this guy yesterday. Credit where credit is due. He's he's put up the numbers. He's had a strong season. He's not been nearly the malcontent he was last year. So, Right now, I say bye. I think Julius Randle right now is playing at an all-star level, so I think I would slide him in there. Close, very close, but I think he may right now just barely squeak by. Still a lot of time, though. Yeah, it's a good point. The, the you know you, when you basically got to factor who is he competing against, and you mentioned the names aren't going to blow you away outside of those top four. And the other thing to keep in mind is Obi's out. Let's say he misses another you know, month or so, that's going to a few more extra minutes for Randall, a little less pressure, etc. Um, so that that might that's also you know something that could work in his in his favor as well. EJ making the case for Julius Randall for a second All Star appearance, not something I expected to hear on the orange and blue buzz podcast but hey anything's possible right so uh let's get to our final segment today and uh, we recorded this podcast on friday december 16th but on thursday december 15th that was a very important day in the nba calendar that is because free agents who sign new contracts become eligible to be traded uh some players that sign extensions also will be eligible to be traded though there are some individual extensions that can be uh, have different dates. We saw last year with Julius Randle's extension, you couldn't even trade it till February. But for the large majority, everybody's now open to be traded after this past offseason, now that we've passed the December 15th threshold. So it essentially means it is the unofficial start of the NBA's trade season. For the Knicks, that means Jalen Brunson. <laughs> Jalen Brunson being traded, that is not happening, uh, folks. But he is technically eligible to be traded now. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein would also be eligible to be traded now. Those were the, the key signings the Knicks had. Uh, they could now be a part of any uh, deal that's done. Uh, because of this increased roster flexibility, oftentimes you won't see deals get done until December 15th. I don't think we've seen a definitely no major trades um, uh, prior to you know Thursday. So the Knicks have been reportedly active in the trade discussions even before December 15th. Cam Reddish has been dangled. Uh, Derek Rose has been dangled. Uh, Evan Fournier has been uh, linked to trade talks as well as Emmanuel quickly. Uh, which player of 
the Knicks on the Knicks roster do you believe is most likely to be traded before the February trade deadline? Now that we're here in the summer uh, past summer 15, I think the player most likely to be traded is probably Cam Reddish. Um, you know, I for he's not a part of the rotation, and he also has some appeal league wide. Again, 22 years old, pedigree stock. You know, one of the top rated high school players in the country. You know, freshman year at Duke um, had some some strong showings, and he's shown kind of spurts here and there of that combination of athleticism length shooting ability uh, you know offensive explosion um you know that that would entice teams you know listen we've seen what orlando did with bowl bowl who was you know waived yeah. by by a couple of teams found an opportunity on a rebuilding team uh, to get all the minutes he can handle and he certainly made the most of it um you know will he stay healthy long term yada yada all that's obviously up in the air but um certainly looks like a shrewd move by the magic front office right now to, to scoop up bowl bowl and 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 kind Kind of let him cook. Um, there's another team in that, in that, you know, the Rockets, the Spurs, uh, the Magic, um, you know, even though they have plenty of depth in their front court, obviously, um, and on the wing, um, especially with Franz Wagner, who's a really, really promising young player, but um, Absolutely. And, and, and Paolo, of course. But um, again, that's the, that's the kind of situation that Cam would love to find himself in and that the Knicks are hoping a team like that um, talks themselves into, um, you know, kind of buying low on a depreciated asset with some with some enticing upside. Um, the Knicks' would, preference would be to move Evan Fournier. Um, we talked a little bit about that on the pod Thursday. Um, again, how it would not only benefit the team, it would benefit the player, and also it would make some sense for a contender looking to bring in some, some firepower, long-range shooting. Um, that's what Fournier brings to the table. And the other guy that um, there's a decent likelihood that he gets moved is Derrick Rose. Um, again, 34-year-old veteran, um, you know, on the outside of the rotation looking in. Does provide some value to the Knicks, even if he's not playing. Um, Miles McBride has talked about how much the mentorship of Rose has meant to him. Um, and, and, and to his credit, Rose has been an incredible professional. Um, asked on Thursday or, or after Wednesday's game, you know, was he bummed out not to play in Chicago and be out of the rotation, et cetera. And he said, listen, we're winning. I'm not complaining, um, which is, uh, you know, exactly what you'd want from a veteran leader. Um, so those are the kind of the three guys I think that you'll be mentioned most, uh, you know, that that'll come up most commonly when uh, Nick's trade talks are discussed. Yeah, I think Cam Reddish's days are numbered in New York. He doesn't really have a spot on his team and a home in this rotation. So he becomes very expendable. And I think that the fact that the Knicks have gone in a five-game winning streak since he got pulled from the rotation uh, just means that they'll be more likely to say, okay, we really have no uh, reason to keep him around at this point. So I, I think considering he's young, considering he has some talent and potential, somebody's going to take a flyer on him. Now, will the Knicks get the value that they want? Maybe not because, unfortunately, they haven't really utilized him correctly or utilized him in a way that he could show off his talents. But I do think the Knicks will try to get him uh, on a different team. So I think he will be the most likely to get traded. But I think this is the Knicks team. I, I, I say this. I hope I'm right about this. Uh, but they haven't necessarily been the most aggressive team when it comes to making trades in season. Uh, I do feel like this is a Knicks team that will be very active to uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, strip down some of these pieces that don't really fit and don't work on this roster and don't have a future with this team. So I think all three of those uh, men you just named are people that could be traded. We've heard Emmanuel Quickly's name. I, I really hope Emmanuel Quickly is not traded. I think we've seen his impact in this winning streak. We've seen his impact even when they were losing. I think that when they were struggling, I still felt like he was playing extremely hard. His defense has been outstanding. I hope he doesn't go. 
But yeah, listen, I think you'll listen, see the Knicks be an active a trade team for sure. In case Leon Rose is, is, it happens to be listening to the pot, we will flame you if IQ is moved. <laughs> just, just so you know, just so a heads up. That goes for World Wide West, all of them. You know, we yeah. will come after you. Um, and and listen, unless they, you know, unless the deal makes sense. But it's if they if they are attaching IQ um, simply as a uh, as a way to get off Fournier's contract, um, we will set fire. Um, to this podcast. So just, so just a heads up for uh, any front office folks that may be tuning in to the Orange and Blue Buds Odyssey original podcast. But thank you for listening if you are. <laughs> yeah, and wasn't it uh, Jay-Z who said, shout out to World Wide West everywhere we go, we leave a World Wide mess. Yes, well, sir. Tommy Beer and EJ will leave a World Wide Web <laughs> mess if Emmanuel quickly gets traded. Are there any guys that the Knicks could actually end up targeting during this trade process? I know we've seen them and talk about them mostly as sellers. But when you look at the trade market that could develop, is there anybody that could come in here and and, and contribute potentially? Like I've been banging the drum and saying if Phoenix wants to, you know, get rid of Jay Crowder, who's right now just sitting at home and they want to take a, a flyer on Julius Randle, I would love to see Jay Crowder come here. I think he's the perfect kind of versatile combo forward that could allow Obi to start the four. He can give you minutes at the three and the four. He's kind of a player the Knicks are right now kind of missing because they're not playing Cam Reddish. So I, I really like the idea of Jay, getting Jay Crowder in here and maybe moving off of Randall and his contract. But are there any guys that you see and say, hey, maybe Knicks should uh, target this guy? Yeah, that's I mean, that's the situation where you'd be looking at is because, again, the Knicks are looking to consolidate. They have basically too yeah. many rotation players, um, you know, that that that, you know, that they're basically looking for to, to find situations um, with what will they do? I mean, so yeah, listen, there's guys like Eric Gordon, which the Knicks were attached to. I found that surprising. doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma, you mentioned Jay Crowder, who again, I'm a fan of Bogdanovich. Um, then you got the Bulls guys, Vucevic, um, Levine, D- DeRozan, might one of those guys gets moved. Um, Jakob Pertl out in, in San Antonio, underrated center. Um, Mo Bamba, a Harlem kid, might might the Knicks look to bring him home. So there's guys that are potentially are in the mix. But again, the Knicks have three centers, so they don't need they don't need to make a move yeah. for center. They, you know, they have they have they have, they have plenty of depth um, in the backcourt on the wing. So unless it's a move for um, a, a swap for where you're moving out Randall and bringing a guy like Jerry Crowder, which would be very interesting. Um, or if you're talking about, you know, John Collins, you know, do they, you know, they like Collins prefer Collins over Randall, some along those lines might, might, that might that be something that both teams look at. Um, I think it's highly unlikely. Um, but again, unless the Knicks are shipping out one of their key pieces, I don't see them making kind of a move on the margin. That's typically what you're looking for, um, for a team that's, you know, looking to make a playoff push. They're in the six seed. Can they get up to five? Can they prevent the team seven, eight, nine from jumping over them? I think the Knicks are kind of settled into their rotation. And again, their big picture thinking is, maintaining these draft this draft capital uh and these young players to move for a star um a superstar if and one one shakes loose um so i don't think they want to sacrifice any of that um you know any any of that kind of things in their war chest that they can use to to move i think they'll probably um uh, you know stand still um rather than make a big move at the deadline if i had to guess as of now as we talked about we still six weeks away anything can happen injuries etc um, but as of right now i think it's probably Probably more likely that they make a move like, you know, ship off a, a Fournier or a Reddish and bring yeah. back a guy. Either they'll buy out or won't get much time in rotation or potentially flip those guys for second round or something along those lines. 
Yeah, I think if you see them make a move that's not them selling, it's going to be a real, like, you know, kind of taking on a flyer on a guy and a kind of a no-risk move, similar to what they did when they traded for Derrick Rose. They gave up, you know, Dennis Smith, who did not have a future here, and they were like, Derrick Rose, we know he has some talent. We know he's familiar with Tibbs. Let's see what he's got. And then, lo and behold, he's the finalist for the sixth man of the year. You know, it's something that's going to be dirt cheap, something that's not going to, uh, you know, really have them moving off of a very viable asset. I can maybe see him do something like that. So those guys will become available because teams are going to fall out of favor. Teams are going to decide to go into the tank. And when those guys become available, maybe you'll see the Knicks make a move there. Um, maybe just fill out the rotation or maybe upgrade at a certain spot here or there. But otherwise, you know, yeah, I, I think that you may not really see the Knicks be active in terms of being buyers in this trade market. But it, I think they should keep their eyes peeled because the Knicks now have a little opportunity here with the way the Eastern Conference is setting up where maybe one move here or there and you're solidified in that six spot. So I think it will be interesting to kind of keep an eye on this trade situation real quickly before we get out of here. Do you see any star players becoming available now at, at this deadline between now and this deadline? Like, you know, we haven't really, I feel like had a real star get traded at the trade deadline in a little while. Um, and we're always kind of waiting to see who's going to be the next disgruntled guy who could maybe be on the outs. Do you see that maybe happening at this trade deadline? I, I think it's probably unlikely. Um, again, the, the the interesting thing about their their kind of the um, newfound and increased parity in the NBA is that there's a you know a few teams at the top and a few teams at the bottom, but there's so many in the middle. Um, so you don't see that team. You know, a team that was ticketed for like the 11th seed would probably ship off their their all star. Um, you know, in, in hopes of kind of jump starting a rebuild. But this season, they have a chance to you know get into the 10th seed or the 9th seed, yeah. and you know maybe want to play in game and then get in the playoffs, etc. Um, owners are happy that that could you know potentially generate revenue. You know, getting into a playoff series, hosting a couple games. Um, so if, so for that reason, you know, I think the um, you know in, in other years, if there are only eight playoff teams, the Bulls would probably be more inclined to to move off Vucevic or DeRozan and or Levine. Um, but I think they'll probably stay the course if for no other reason. They're kind of pot committed with those guys. Um, John Collins, I think, is a good player that could be moved, you know, far from a superstar. Um, you know, Kuzma's a guy, Washington kind of in the, t- you know, really, really headed in the wrong direction. Um, he's certainly a guy that could get traded, but um, he's not somebody that, uh, you know, I think we would consider a star. Miles Turner and Buddy Heal down in Indiana, some other names that we mentioned. We talked about Boyan Bogdanovich um, out of Detroit. Uh, on the pod on Thursday, he's another guy that the Lakers are interested in. And Jay Crowder, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the same page with you as far as Crowder, great two way player, um, important underrated piece on the Suns' success the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, but they, they you know, you've you've kind of seen that the Suns just snapped the five game losing streak. There um, have been struggling a little bit. Part of that's due to um, you know missing what Crowder brings to the table. Um, yeah. but, you know, from a Knicks perspective, I just don't see um, again unless they're willing to move Randall, which seems unlikely at this point. Um, especially with Obi Toppin injured. Um, I don't see another, you know, I don't see a moving, you know, uh, RJ Barrett, uh, obviously Brunson's, you know, is, as untouchable as, as, as we assume he is. Um, could they move one of their centers? I think it would make sense. Um, yeah whether it's Hardenstein, Robinson, or Sims, all three of those guys have shown they can play. You don't really need three. If a team is desperate for a big man, um, you know, one of the contenders, you know, suffers an injury and they need a center, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Aiton goes down to Phoenix or, you know, you know, pick your guy, Lopez is injured um, out, out in Milwaukee, whatever the case might be. Um, I could see one of those teams, one of those contenders 
calling the Knicks and saying, hey, what, you know, we're interested in Hartenstein. What could you give us? You know, would you be willing to let him go? Um, we'd give you something for Sims. Um, just basically somebody that needs a big body up front. The Knicks do have kind of an excess, an excess of, of, of quality rotation because they have three rotation centers, not common in today's NBA. Um, so that could be something um, to, to keep an eye on down the, down the, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the weeks ahead of the deadline. Yeah. Hartenstein is on a very, uh, team-friendly deal so he's definitely movable i mean sims is making almost no bread so yep. no bread obviously you know uh, very relative to you know <laughs> the nba world not necessarily the regular world but um but so he's also uh, extremely movable so the center position i think is something to look at when you look at guys who could be moved as stars i mean you know what happened with anthony davis to the lakers decide all right this thing is just a waste and we're, we're selling off i don't know i think lebron may actually kill Rob Lincoln or he <laughs> he lets him give up his only chance at uh, relevancy this season so I don't know if Anthony Davis gets moved in season you mentioned Chicago uh, I think DeRozan and Levine could very well be in play because that is a blow-up situation so maybe that happens uh I think the two kind of underrated options to look at one definitely probably more offseason than now but uh I think Trey Young offseason especially something something's not right with just him and how the organization sees him. Apparently they think that he's not necessarily showing the greatest leadership of late and people seem to be a little down on him. Does he become available again? Maybe not mid season, but I could definitely see maybe in the off season. And then Charles Barkley said it as well. What is going on in Miami? I know they've won three in a row, but this is a team that's supposed to be trying to be for a championship and they don't look close right now. Like there are at least five teams that look way better than the heat right now. And Dream Butler isn't getting younger. Uh, Bam Adebayo, you think, is a guy that you want to keep around. But, I mean, do you do something desperate? Like, do you try to get another scorer in there? Do you move off of Bam? I think that would be a terrible decision, considering how much of of an impact that Bam is offensively. But I wonder what happened with Butler or Bam if we're sitting here um, a month and a half from now and the Heat are still at 500 or just, you know, scrambling to get into uh, the playoffs. And right now they're in the play-in. Like, I think those would be teams to watch. Makes sense. It looks like Miami's you know, kind of righted the ship a little bit, as you mentioned, three in a row. Yeah. Tyler Hero has been playing at an incredibly high he level. Had a great game. A great game on Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so so that's and again, we know the the the, the heat won't panic. You know, they 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 are they understand that that uh you know what matters more is how you're looking in April as opposed to how you're looking in December. But that being said, Riley isn't getting any younger. He obviously would love to get another title under his belt. So it could be you know looking to do something, shake things up a little bit um if they continue to struggle. December 15th, guys are now available to be traded. Uh, do you remember when the trade deadline is is off the top of your head? I was trying to remember. I was like, oh, uh, the trade February ninth, I think. It looks I like believe it's February 9th. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can tell you the trade deadline is actually February tenth at three p.m. this year. Okay, there you go. So um, trades will be happening from now till then. I know when it gets to February, I know this podcast will be probably a trade podcast for a couple of weeks because of all the rumors that be flying around. So you certainly want to keep it locked here on Orange and Blue Bloods. That's going to do it. This episode, of course, you can find Orange and Blue Bloods and Odyssey Original backed by WFAN on all of your podcast platforms, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your podcast application so you can make sure that you get our episodes whenever we drop. We drop three times a week on most weeks. So we're going to be talking Knicks for the rest of the season. And so far, so good. The Knicks have not lost a game since we started this podcast so if you want to keep the good juju uh going 
make sure you uh make sure you subscribe make sure you auto download this podcast keep it uh keep it going here uh tommy let them know where they can find you at tommy beer on twitter and you can find me at ej underscore stewart on twitter action ej on instagram and tiktok that will do it for now uh for tommy i'm ej take it easy guys peace